On today's podcast from the North Wahala Church of God, Mike Tiramano brings a Valentine's Day message entitled, The Opposite of Love. Today's message is from Wednesday, February 14th, 2018. Now let's join Pastor Neil as he introduces the speaker. Tonight, for time's sake, we do being Valentine's, we, uh, we'll go right into the Word. Next Wednesday, for the foreseeable future, I'm going to continue on the tabernacle. Next week, we're going to talk about not only praise at the gate, but we're going to talk about why there's only one gate, which parallels to Jesus being the only way to heaven. We're going to talk about that in detail, but tonight, I've got to do something, and I know it's going to bless you, but Michael's coming to share the Word tonight. Let me tell you what's taking place. He's getting close to the end of his MIP, and we don't want to get rid of them by no means. So, And let me just be very honest. I want you to begin to pray God's will for their life. They need direction. They need God to guide them, whether it's going back to their home church, if it's starting a ministry somewhere else, if it's an open door. They need the will of God to be done. But tonight, he's got to minister to you. But he's got to do so with, I've got to critique him tonight. So I'm going to be sitting with my lovely wife on Valentine's back there, but I'm actually going to be taking notes and critiquing him. He has to submit his outline to me, and then I will turn his outline in to the church of God. We're doing this a part of the MIP. Now, he's spoken before you in the past. He's an anointed speaker. He's got a unique way to communicate, which is very special. I know he's going to bless you. I'm not trying to put pressure on him tonight, but he knows what's taking place. So I need for you to give him your attention. I need you to support him. I need you to worship with him. I don't want him to feel like he's up here by himself. And even if they ask for the CD, I have to submit that CD. But they want to make sure that he's working in his calling and that God has called him the minister of the gospel. We love this couple. Amen. Can we show them that tonight? Amen. Amen. So Mike, come on up here, please. And I want to brag on you, their project, I'm taking a little bit of your time, their project, when they first uh, began to meet with me, we were having to find places to meet um, because I did not have an office. So they volunteered to say, Pastor, can our project be that we make you an office? And I said, absolutely, jump on it. And so what they have done is they have made an office for me across the road and we're hoping next week that we're going to open it up, that I'll be in that office, but that you can come see it. It's upstairs across the road because it's the only room that we have. But um, it is, they did a wonderful job. New carpet, new paint, new desk, a refrigerator full of Diet Coke, right? Absolutely. Amen, Brother Jose. Amen. And so, but they did all the work. They put the carpet down, all the painting, and so that other MIP students and if counseling, and the pastor have an office, you did an outstanding job, and we're proud of you. So tonight, let's put our hands together one more time. Let's welcome him as he ministers the gospel. And amen. Well, thank you for having me, and Pastor. Thank you for allowing me to do this. So I take it very seriously, any opportunity. And uh, I just found out um, when you did that he'll be critiquing me tonight officially by, uh, by, no, I'm kidding. No, no, he had me prepared for that. So I'm excited about this. And uh, the, the office does look great because Terry did all the design work. So that's the reason why it looks so good when you go over there. You can celebrate that and pat her on the back for that because she is really, 
really good at those things, and I'm really excited for, for you as a church family to see uh, his new office because uh, Terry did a great job designing that. We actually helped, had some help from the college and career. They came in and helped us with some of the grunt work as well, so uh, it's, been a, it's been a cool process to do that as, as our project, and we're excited about how it's going to serve you, uh, serve the community, uh, serve the church, you know, that office. It's a very important uh, place. And uh, one of our desires, actually, for the office is that uh, the church family will, um, will, will do a blessing, some type of blessing over the office, much like you would do a blessing over the home. Because if you've ever found yourself in the office of a pastor, it's at a time when you need it. You need some prayer. You need some counseling. You need some one-on-one time. Your, your, your marriage, your family, your relationship, your children, your job, something. And you need some serious time uh, with the man of God. And so we know that going forward that there will be uh, lives changed and uh, lives touched in that office. And so our prayer is that the church family in some way, in some capacity, maybe, Pastor, we could work that out, that, uh, that we'll have a time of blessing over that office for what, what will be accomplished in there. So let's, uh, let's go to the Lord before, uh, before we begin. In this message. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this time, this opportunity to be, be together, Lord. Uh, thank you for placing me here as the vessel, Lord, at the, uh, at the pulpit, Lord. Uh, thank you for this message um, that you've sent, Lord. I pray that what I say is pleasing to you, and I say no more, no less than what is needed to accomplish your mission. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So, um, it's Valentine's Day. It's February 14th. And it's one of those days, uh, it's actually kind of a, uh, there's a couple things going on today. Uh, actually, today is also Ash Wednesday, if you're not familiar with that. Yesterday was Mardi Gras, and today is Ash Wednesday. Um, so, there's a whole group of people across the world who celebrate today uh, for, for the things that go along with Ash Wednesday. It's, it really recognizes or begins, begins the season of Lent, the time of Lent. And, uh, but it's also Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day was actually, is actually named um, for a guy who, who was martyred. He was martyred back in the third century because he refused to wait two hours for a table at Olive Garden. And so going forward after that, they, uh, they, 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 they made Valentine's Day. No, 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 I'm kidding. Um, he was actually martyred. He met his demise because on his way home from work, he stopped at a gas station and bought a rose for his wife on Valentine's Day. No, I'm kidding on that one too. Um, he's actually a guy uh, sometime in the third century. Historians are not really too sure about his like exact identity. Some people think that there were about three or four guys that kind of, you know, maybe made up this person that ultimately became St. Valentine. And essentially the main guy that they identify with Valentine's Day is this man who was put in prison. And while he was in prison, he, uh, he prayed for and, and, and led, so to speak, the healing of the prison guard's daughter and subsequently had a prison ministry where he was talking about Jesus. And ultimately, he was martyred for that. So it's a day that, you know, we talk about love, and we talk about Cupid, and we talk about hearts, and uh, all the stores around here and restaurants make a lot of money. But um, it's for a guy who was martyred for talking about Jesus, which is really, really interesting. And today, then we celebrate it as a day of love. But what I want to do tonight is I want to look at um, some, something in the scriptures about love, but I want to twist it around. And so the title of my message is The Opposite of Love. The title of my message is The Opposite of Love. And, and there's a guy named Andy Stanley. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with him, or you may be familiar with his, his dad, Charles Stanley. But Andy Stanley, he, uh, he says when he talks about churches, and he's, you know, he's grown a massive church. It's, there's so many locations and all these things. It's a huge organization. But one of the things he says about knowing what's wrong with your church or knowing your church really, really well is you better know what works at your church or organization. It could be a company. You better know how things work because when they break... 
you need to know what makes them work so that you know what's making them not work, right? It's the same thing with maintenance, right? No one goes into the maintenance field where you have to work on machines in a factory without knowing how that machine works properly. Because of course, then when it's not working properly, you know what needs to be restored or what needs to be fixed. So I wanna go at the topic of love tonight with the same type of mentality where I wanna actually become more familiar with the opposite of love. And the scripture that we're gonna go to, you're very, very familiar with. You're very familiar with. If you've ever been to one wedding, you've heard this. If you've been to 10 weddings, you've heard this passage 10 times, right? You're very familiar with this scripture passage. So what I want to do is I want to look at that scripture passage, but I want, to, I want to change it around a little bit because I think if we flip around love and we, flip and we look at the opposite of love, then we can be better prepared to understand what love is and how it's expressed and, and how, it plays itself, how it plays out in our lives, and so then we got to ask ourselves, well, what's the opposite of love? We got to identify what the opposite of love is. And love is essentially all about others. So the opposite of love is all about me. Well, what's the thing that defines this mentality, the, the, the notion that everything is about me? And it starts with the letter P. And that word is pride. That's exactly right. The opposite of love is pride. See, you have to be really familiar with pride. And you need to be very familiar with when it shows up in your life, it shows up in your mind, it shows up in your heart, and it starts to rear its ugly head. Right? And we can use the scriptures to be better at that. We can use the scriptures to be better at that, and that will make us better. That'll make us better Christians, it'll make us better husbands, it'll make us better wives, it'll make us better parents, better students, better children, better employees, employers, coworkers, friends, church workers. It'll make us better at all of those things, which is exactly what Jesus calls for us. And that's why Paul wrote this letter to the church of Corinth. That's one of the reasons why he wrote this letter to the church of Corinth, to address this very topic. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Like I said, if you've been to a wedding, you've heard it a bunch of times. And we're going to skip forward uh, a couple of verses into chapter 13. But this is the love is, love is, love is, love is passage that you've heard many times. But we're going to come at it from the opposite. So instead of saying what love is in the passage, we're going to look at what pride is, which would be the opposite of what the passage says. So it doesn't make any sense right now, but follow along with me. So let's go to the first verse, and you're going to see what I'm going to do here. So the first thing it says is that love suffers long and is kind. Well, let's look at suffers long, and what that means is that love is patient, right? You've heard it put that way many times. Love is patient, love is kind. I think some country singer even did a song about this, right? So love is patient. So if we look at what pride is, what does it say that pride is? Pride is impatient. Pride says things are going to be done on my time. Right? Pride says when you're dating, you're going to do what I want on my time. Pride says when you send somebody a text, they better respond quickly. Why won't they answer me? She just texted me and then I responded and now she won't respond to this one. I don't understand what happened. We were just texting. That's pride, right? 
And do you see how, I mean, just, we haven't, we're not even, into the, I'm barely into the first point and you could see how it, you, you can feel that pride welling up, right? You can feel it starting to kind of build inside of you, right? When you start to get impatient. When the, when the clerk at Ingalls is not going fast enough, don't you realize I got somewhere to be? I'm going to church too, hello. It's like really extra important that I get there on time. And you start to get impatient because you want it on your time. Now, little did you know, of course, that the clerk at Ingalls, their grandmother just passed away the night before, so that's probably the reason why they're not thinking clearly. And that's why they messed up on that order, and that's why they had to call for customer service on register four, which is pretty much everyone's biggest fear is that the person in front of you will have to have, pick up the, will have the clerk pick up that white phone and say, customer service and register four, and all you do is shake your head thinking, oh, I gotta find another line to get to. By the way, does anybody else have a race with themselves where you, go into the, where you picture yourself going into the other line, and before I was gonna be behind the guy in the green shirt, and now he's up there, and you find yourself doing an imaginary race with, imagine, anyway, that's probably, that's just me. But anyway, pride is impatient, um, which, is, which is essentially why Adam and Eve were so tempted is because what, what the devil did, he's so smart. He is so smart. He's so smart. See, what he did was he said, listen, listen, you can get to know a bunch of stuff later on, or you can know everything right now. You can wait for when maybe God will give you that wisdom and that knowledge, or Take a bite. And pride says, we're going to do it on my time. But love is patient. See that? See how simple that is? See how simple that is and see how, that's, see this is one of the, my favorite things about scripture is that it's really actually not that complicated to study. It really isn't. What I said isn't anything profound, right? It's nothing like, whoa, man. It's something some big biblical scholar had to like unpack. Isn't that so powerful how simple that is? Love is kind. So pride is unkind, not kind, anti-kind. I don't know what the opposite of kind, how you say the opposite of kind, but now the thing about kindness, kindness is a little bit tougher to, um, to define. Kindness sometimes is one of those things that you know it when you see it, but it's hard to describe it. The best way I can talk about kindness is to talk about my daughter, Anna, little six-year-old Anna. Now, many, most of you know her. There might be a few of you, few of you in here who don't know who she is, um, but she certainly is something special around here. And uh, I, guess, I guess what I want to say is this is that there are people in this world who are easy targets to be unkind to. There are people in this world who don't look like you and think like you and talk like you and act like you. Maybe they're fatter than you or maybe they're skinnier than you or maybe you think they're not, maybe they're uglier than you or they're better looking at you or whatever it is. Or maybe that they've just got a lot of disabilities going on in their lives. There is so much going on in their mind, in their heart, whatever it is. And they're easy targets. And that, that's being unkind. You know, what I've, uh, I, uh, Terry and I over at Gap Hill, we were really, really enjoyed more, uh, spending time and serving the college and career ministry. And one of the things I always told them was, if you are ever making fun of someone who is R-E-T-A-R-D-E-D, you're making fun of my daughter. So just remember that. You know? 
And I was that person. I was the seventh grader who made fun of the kids with special needs. I remember that. I remember that vividly. I remember that vividly. And that is the essence of being unkind. And let me say this about kindness. A better way for me to try to explain kindness to you is operating from a, your default perspective is sympathy. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. You have a young man who was born and raised in poverty in the projects. His dad was a drug dealer. His uncle was a drug dealer. His older cousin was a drug dealer. And his older brother was a drug dealer. And one day, at the ripe old age of 17, he decides to start dealing drugs. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? I can't believe why anybody would ever deal drugs. Well, I got a pretty good idea, actually. I got a pretty good idea why this young man might deal drugs, because guess what? He doesn't know any better. That's coming at a situation with a default mentality of sympathy. Because if your first question is, why would he deal drugs? Doesn't he know that's illegal and that's this? You're going to get killed. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get this, whatever, whatever. Well, my first question is, have you gone to the projects to tell him otherwise? That's what, I talk, well, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about sympathy, right? Your default mentality is compassion. It's sympathy. It's like, man, I hate it for them. The town drunk on the moped at Dollar General. What's your first thought? What's your first thought? See, that's the difference between love and pride. Oh, I'm glad I'm not like him. That's pride. That's pride being unkind. That's what that is, right? Whereas love is kind. Love says, maybe, maybe I can be the encouraging voice today. Maybe I can be that one encouraging voice because probably the last nine people that passed by were unkind. If we keep going, it says love, <laughs> love does not envy. Love does not envy. And this is where I want you to become very familiar um, with the difference between envy and jealousy. Because these are words that we, we kind of throw them around and they're pretty similar and they kind of have a similar kind of root to them and we, 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 we might interchange them um, mistakenly. We interchange them and we use them synonymously. But there's a subtle difference between envy and jealousy, right? So if we're going with our, our, our opposites here, pride is envious. And I want you to think of it this way. Envy and jealousy. Envy is wanting something that someone else has. The spotlight, the fame, the truck, the wife, that's envy. And that is not love. That's pride. Now let's talk about jealousy for a second. I'll, I'll come back to envy and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of elaborate a little bit on that. But jealousy, remember this about, about jealousy. Do we, have a, do, we, do we have a jealous God or an envious God? of a jealous God. And the Bible says that, right? The Bible talks clearly about God being a jealous God. The jealousy involves a rival. I would be jealous if there was another man in Terry's life because all of a sudden I have a rival. 
And that's the reason why God, we can push him to, to be a jealous God. We can push him to jealousy. It's because what? He's got a rival. I don't know what the rival is for you. Maybe it's, it's probably one of two things, really. Typically, it's two things, time and money. Two things that God has, to be, has as a rival. It's time or money, time or money. It's your time or your money. He's competing with where you're giving your attention to. It could be your career, which could be a matter of power or success or money. He's a rival for that. That's jealousy. So let's go back to envy. Let's stick with envy, right? Pride has envy, right? Pride looks at what someone else has and says, ooh, I got to have that. And see, and there's so much there. There's so much there, isn't there? There's so much to think about that. When you think about our pride is telling us and we look at what someone else has, we say, I got to have that. That probably is not a good thing for you to have for whatever reason. There's a re maybe there's a reason why God hasn't let you have that. Maybe that's dangerous for you, right? Maybe there's a reason why he said, don't eat of that tree. But you're like, you're envious because that's, because that's what the enemy does. He's, he pitches that sale to you, doesn't he? He says, listen, see, this is what you can have. See, this is good. It's good stuff, isn't it? And before you know it, you're like, I, I, want, I want that. I want that. I want that. Which, by the way, um, whenever I, uh, I, I talk to people, uh, premarital counseling, I, I, not that I'm a counselor or anything like that, but I've had lots of opportunities to speak into couples who are planning to get married. And one of the things that I stole from someone along the way, I don't remember who I heard this from. This isn't original. But one of the things that I stole from somebody along the way is the 80-20 rule. And the 80-20 rule essentially says this. When I look at Terry, 80% of her I think is awesome. But there's 20% eh, I could maybe do without. Now here's what happens. What happens is, what do I go out looking for? Right, somebody who doesn't have that 20%. But guess what they also don't have? The 80%, that's exactly right. That's envy. That's me looking at another man's wife and saying, ah, She's got that, she's got the 20% or she doesn't have the 20% or whatever, right? She's got the 20 that Terry's missing. But that's the thing. She doesn't have the 80 that Terry does. And that's envy. That's what happens. We get that pride up in us and we say, oh, I want that. I want that. I want that. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. This is a good one. This is a real good one. So, per, so pride parades itself around and puffs itself up. That's essentially what the Bible is saying. That's what pride does. Puffed up like a proud peacock. That's why we say it that way, right? Because that's what a peacock does when it's trying to get the attention of the mate. It puffs itself up. And that's what pride does. And, and here's how I think about this. Just think about it kind of figuratively speaking, you're trying to make yourself bigger. Everything about you, you're trying to make bigger. The attention that you have, the adoration of people that you have, the number of followers that you have, the number of fans that you have. It's just, you just want to puff yourself up and make yourself as big as possible. Sometimes this comes in the form of one-upmanship. You either know somebody or you are the somebody who loves to one-up somebody else. 
Now, listen, I'm not talking about when men are t- sitting around telling fishing stories and the first one they caught was, and the guy says, no, 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 I caught one and I caught, and I, that's fine. That's, you know, that, that may be just social things that we do, but I'm talking about when someone genuinely has a spotlight and you, our goal is what? To steal it. That's pride. That's me trying to steal the spotlight from somebody. Let me just tell you something real quick, because this is going to help my critique. Um, your pastor, <clears throat> he is constantly, constantly trying to put the spotlight on someone else. You as the church family, his leadership, his workers, the community. Just last week with the, 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 the prayer for the young lady with what she was going through, he talks about the church and what the church is doing, what the people are doing, how the older saints are doing this. And all, I, I'm telling you, right? Because it's just natural for the pastor to have the spotlight. And, and that's how church is designed. But pride is trying to constantly keep the spotlight on yourself. Steal it from somebody else, right? But every time he gets up here, there's somebody else that he's putting the spotlight on. Well, Anthony went, drove down to Texas and did this. And went over here and did this. And somebody went and did this. And actually, you know, there's always somebody he's trying to put the spotlight on other than himself. Right? Okay, next verse. Yeah, verse five. Love does not behave rudely. So pride is rude. Rude is another one of those things that's kind of hard to define, but you know it when you see it. And I do want to challenge the men in here just a little bit. Because I don't know if it's just the softer side of ladies... You know, and I know ladies battle with, with rudeness in their own way, but men, we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> we got a lot of work to do when it comes to being rude. Because let me ask you this, let me ask you this. <laughs> if you laugh at sexist jokes, racist jokes, or dirty jokes, you need to pray about that. You need to pray about that. You need to pray about that. If the music you listen to objectifies women, you need to change the dial. Women are not a thing to be caught, right? They're one of God's children to be pursued. That's a totally different way of looking at it. Um, men, I think we could work really hard on our manners. Manners. Simple things, too. I'm not talking about going back, you know, to England and official formality and all that stuff. I'm just saying there's a couple of things that we could do just to up our manners game just a little bit, you know? In certain settings, it's okay to stand up when a lady approaches the table or gets up from the table. That's okay. That's okay to do that. You don't have to make a big deal about it and make a big gesture about it, right? Or when someone, man or lady, approaches you and you're sitting down, stand up. Shake somebody's hand, look them in the eye, introduce yourself, give them your name. I, you know, and I'm, you're thinking, I, what, what is this, life coaching with Mike on a Wednesday night? I, I'm just saying, like, you, you know, I, I feel like, like we got to take these and we got to apply them all over in all kinds of areas of life. And ladies, by the way, let me just challenge you real quick on this. Ladies, if you're single, if you're looking for a guy who's out there, I want you to look for a guy who wants to do those things. 
Don't waste your time with a guy who's going to date you by uh, pulling out his phone and wanting to text you. Hey, will you go out? No. How about a guy who's willing to call or walk up to you face to face and say, hey, I'd like to take you out. Um, and we're talking about rudeness, like when you go over to the restaurant, how rude are you to your server? And, and the first thing, the first question you hear sometimes is, well, how do they know we go to church? Well, they better know you go to church. Your testimony alone sitting at that table better be obvious enough that you're something different. If it's not obvious that you're a church-going person, well, then there's another issue we got to talk about. That's totally different other than manners. Right? Pride is rude. And here we are in the middle of verse 5, and we actually get to what I think is the definition of pride. It's like the overarching definition of what pride is. See, it says, love does not seek its own. And you flip that around. That's essentially the opposite of what pride is. Pride is constantly seeking its own. It's constantly saying it's all about me. Which if you haven't studied any of Jesus's teachings, then I'm here to inform you, that's the essence of Jesus's teachings. It's constantly making yourself small so you can make him big. That's what he's constantly teaching. And this is what Paul is telling us right here, that pride is us trying to seek our own. What kind of a coworker or employee are you? See, prideful employees are constantly seeking their own. They're constantly looking for someone that they can undercut, that they can backstab, that they can step over and step up. Right? But an employee filled with love, a coworker filled with love, is constantly trying to shine the spotlight on somebody else. You see that? Do you see how this takes immediate application? I mean, you can walk out of here and tomorrow, tonight, I mean, my goodness, on the ride home. The ride home can be better if, we're, if we see and we feel and we hear like the Holy Spirit who brings, us to, who brings everything to remembrance, the one who speaks these things back to us because you're hearing it once and then the Holy Spirit, what Jesus said, he said, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's gonna teach you things and bring things to your remembrance, meaning going to remind you of the things that you have been taught. And he's gonna speak this to you if you let those walls come down and let him say, hey, you're having a little bit of moment of pride here, aren't you? Isn't this the opposite of love? Isn't this just what the scriptures told us on Wednesday night? Um, love is not provoked. Um, another version says not easily provoked. And another version says not easily angered. Um, I have a moment of pride sometimes with Terry. Um, sometimes, in a good way, Terry gives me a hard time about like my faults or my shortcomings or like my quirkiness in front of other people. And that leads to a moment of pride. And if you, if you know what I'm talking about, you're like, yeah, I get it, I know, I know. But here's what's really cool, and see, Pastor, this echoes exactly what you've been speaking about when it comes to intimacy. What does it say that Terry 
can speak directly to my faults, my quirks, my strengths, and my weaknesses. What does that say? What does it say that we have? She knows me. She knows me. Because do you know what other person in this world knows all of my quirks and all of my funky way of doing things and saying things and um, how I play the, um, how I dance to music in the car when we're driving along? No one. There's no one else who knows me. There's no other person who knows me. Yeah, of course, Jesus, but I mean, there's no other person that I have that intimacy with. And pride, I get mad when she does that, right? But love is not so easily provoked. Love says, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Let's celebrate the bigger picture here. Let's celebrate the bigger picture here that I've got a, I'm married to a woman who knows those subtle little things about me and still chooses to be with me. That's pretty cool. See, that's what we can celebrate. That's the love that we can celebrate on Valentine's Day, right? And it's the same thing with our parent, you know, it's the same thing with a parent-child relationship, same thing. When mom and dad say something to you and it just drives you crazy, I'm telling you, guess what? It's because uh, they're your parents, like, <laughs> hello, they changed your diaper. They know what your butt looks like, I'm t- right? I'm telling you, right? That's, that's, and that's, what's, that's what we can actually, that's what love tells us to, that's what love is trying to get us, that's what Paul's trying to tell us, right? Pride is easily angered and easily provoked. Um, thinketh no evil. So this is a tough one, this is a tough one, but I think what, what, what Paul's trying to say here is that pride Pride always has an angle of evil. Just, just there's some type of just, there's some type of bad vibe behind pride all the time. Whereas love, love doesn't default to that. Love doesn't default to the bad. Love defaults to the good. Right? Because God, you know, he, he could have defaulted to the bad. He could have defaulted to the, the one type of justice. But instead he defaulted to the, to the good by sending his perfect, his good and perfect son, this good and perfect sacrifice. Verse number six, verse number six. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. See, pride celebrates division. Pride celebrates division. Division in the church, right? There are people in our churches, there are people at our workplaces who are the cancer of the place. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? When I say the cancer of the place. They're always looking to sow discord somewhere, somehow. They're always looking to to drive a wedge, between this group of the church and that group of the church. They're always looking to find some. Do you ever notice how pastor always directs his attention over there? He doesn't even look over here. <laughs> right? See, I don't understand why the boss is all, right? You can actually hear it in the tone, can you not? You can hear the pride that celebrates divisions because that person, that cancer, they're the ones who, it's that tone of voice. Why is it that you can hear it? You can hear it coming up. That's what pride does. It celebrates. 
See, it's, it says uh, iniquity, and what the word is inequity is, 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 is very similar. It's related to that, right? And justice, where everything is applied, where all the rules um, are applied the same. And essentially, pride celebrates it whenever things are just kind of applied here and there or whatever. But see, and this is where it ties together with this last part of it, but rejoices in the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. See, what does pride hate? Pride hates the truth. It hates the truth because pride cannot overcome the truth. It can't. It cannot. Pride cannot defeat the truth. It cannot have control over the truth because the truth is the truth. Whether pride, is in, whether pride has any control or not, the truth is the truth, and that's why pride hates it. In fact, pride hates the truth so much that it created an entire division of Christianity. So about 500 years ago, there was this king, right? And King, got married to, king Henry got married to a woman named Catherine. And in order to marry Catherine, this is what's funny part of the story, in order to marry Catherine... King Henry had to get the Pope to approve it because Catherine had been married to King Henry's now deceased brother. So he had to get approval from the Pope to marry this woman. And the Pope gave him his blessing, so he marries Catherine. Well, then along comes pretty Miss little Anne Boleyn, and he says, whoa, 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 Anne Boleyn, come here, let me talk to you for a second. And now his attention is on Anne Boleyn. And now... He wants a divorce. He wants an annulment from his marriage to Catherine. So he goes back to the Pope and he says, all right, I want, I want to get this marriage annulled. And he's like, what do you mean? I just gave you permission to marry the woman. Now you're asking to not be married to her anymore. And he, he actually ends up using the Bible to try to justify it. He goes back to Leviticus and he pulls out one verse to try to justify his position on something. None of us have ever done that, have we? No, 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 never, never. So he goes back to Leviticus and he pulls out this one verse that essentially says you can't be married to your brother's wife and the Pope comes back and says, no, 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 that's not what that meant and he kind of goes back and forth and he tells him. So what does the king do? He starts the Church of England. He says, I think I'll just start an entire new church. I think I'll try to start an, uh, a reformed Catholic church and, we, and as a result, we have the Church of England. That's how powerful pride is. Because the Pope was telling him, he was like, no, 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 that's not biblical. <laughs> and he says, oh, okay, I'll get an idea. I'll just make my own version. That's what pride does. Pride says, well, I know the pastor talks about what we should and shouldn't do as boyfriend and girlfriend, but I got my own version. <laughs> that's Valentine's Day. I got my own version. Pride hates truth. Pride hates the truth, right? And what's funny is if you think about what Jesus said, of, what, what did Jesus say about the truth? It'll set you free. It'll set you free. So what does that say if you're living in pride? You're bound. That's exactly right. Whew, man, that's so good, isn't it? Man, that's so good. It's so simple. It's three verses, three verses that you've probably heard a hundred times. And just like that, the scriptures give us the power to say, okay, yeah, okay, that's different. That's different. So, what do we do? What do we do with this? What do we do with this new information, right? How do we, how do we get better at this, right? You, gotta, you, gotta, you have to 
You got to pray for a couple different things here, right? That we got to do. You have to pray and ask the Lord, hey, speak to me. Holy Spirit, remind me, please remind me, remind me when pride is starting to well up in these very areas that we talked about. Now, we talked about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, something like that. One of those areas is going to come up before the weekend. I promise it's going to. One of these areas is going to come up before the weekend. So like your challenge, the challenge I have for you is to, is, is to take this new tool. Take this new tool, put it in your tool belt, and it's something you can use. It's something you can actually use, right? Look at the relationships in your life and see where is pride taking hold? Like where, is, where does pride have a foothold, right? Is it in the, iniqui- is it in the injustices, is it in your manners? Is it in boastful? Is it being rude? Are you just seeking your own? Maybe you're unkind. Maybe you're impatient. Right? Are you easily provoked? And the relationships, you know, they're different. Like they, they, you know, they can manifest themselves in different ways, right? From a coworker to a sibling to somebody else in the church. Every time I see this person at church, I'll, you know, immediately whatever, right? So, that's what I have for you tonight. And I don't necessarily think this is much of an altar call type of service, so to speak. I feel like I've given you some tools to take here, to take with you when you leave here. All right, so here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I want to take a brief moment, just a, just a moment. We're going to, let's, let's stand together. Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed here. Just a brief moment of prayer together to consider uh, these things. Um, and, and I'll turn it back over to the pastor. Just a brief moment of prayer to consider these things. You know, where is pride versus love in your life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, thank you for, uh, for this opportunity to be here, Jesus. And we thank you for these uh, powerful scriptures that you have given us, Lord. What, uh, what an amazing uh, resource, Lord, that you've given us to better understand who you are, uh, what was done on the cross, and uh, what can be accomplished in our lives, Lord, as we pursue you, as we seek you instead of seeking our own. Lord, I pray that each person is challenged, Lord, by the words that, uh, that you've delivered through me. I pray that each person considers the power of pride uh, in their lives. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Pastor, do you have something? Can we give him a hand tonight? What an excellent word. Amen. If you'll get your wife and go to the front door, Terry, first of all, before you leave, we're thankful for you as well. Um, she was watching him just smiling while he was preaching. Amen. Amen. Maybe she's heard it before, or maybe she's being blessed by the word, or maybe she's just proud because her husband is doing the will of God for their life and his life. But we love them. Please greet them when you leave. Mike has a, a teaching style ministry, and I'm going to tell you, it was excellent tonight. When he spoke about the division of the house and how pride would do that, seeking his own way, absolutely love that. Tommy and I were, I'm guilty of texting back and forth here, but the 80-20 I, I thought was excellent. I'd never heard of that. How many marriages ended because somebody was seeking 20 when they already had 80? You know what I mean? And so I thought that was excellent. Appreciate him. Uh, he talked about his daughter. If you're new tonight or don't know, they have a special needs daughter who is a beautiful, beautiful part of our church. 
And I appreciate him sharing that, even some transparency from his youth. Thought that was excellent as well. Take these, apply it. If you want to get a copy of his notes, I can see if we can make that available to you. Thought he did an excellent, excellent job. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Please be with us Sunday morning. We're excited. We're going to pick up from last Sunday. I believe God's going to bless us and be with us. So please make plans to be here this Sunday. Brother David, will you pray for us and close us out tonight, please?